So this recollection, here and now Dhamma, also want to remind you about the uh, etiquette of this uh, monastery. When you enter the temple, put your shoes on the shoe racks. We've got very nice shoe racks, beautifully made, specifically to put shoes and sandals on. <clears throat> so that's part of the practice, uh, to come in, you know, into the entrance and slip off the shoes and pick them up and put them on the rack, the shoe racks. Uh, things like this, little, this is like vinai in a way. It's it's <clears throat> just training oneself to to when you enter, like a, going through a door, enter a temple. It uh, use it not just as a kind of to get there into the to sit down and on and meditate, and you're all kind of rushing from. Where your cooties and rushing in and just putting, leaving your shoes anywhere, and then uh, rushing into the temple, sitting down, and then trying to meditate. It's about uh, mindfulness in uh, the four postures: sitting, standing, walking, lying down, entering, leaving, opening doors, shutting doors. So that we're remembering the time, the place, the situation we're in. And so monasteries are like uh, for this, you know, they're not just convenient places to, that you go to, to meditate, but it's a way of, of uh, conducting oneself, reflecting in, in just the kind of banal, ordinary aspects of entering and leaving, coming in through a door, closing it, or taking off your shoes, putting them on the shoe rack. These uh, these seem like impicune or rather petty little things, but. It's a way of integrating mindfulness into <clears throat> daily life. At the end of a retreat, always, you know, giving retreat to, for lay people, they always want to know, how can I, you know, integrate this into my ordinary life? What do I do after I leave the retreat? You know, should, how many, should I sit for an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, should I? And it goes on into, you know, always seeing mindfulness meditation as is a very formal uh, posture sitting in front of a shrine watching your breath but uh, and that's the point of monasticism isn't it the bhikkhu vinya of our vinaya is that it <coughs> It's a way of training oneself to live uh, mindfully, knowing time and place. 
And we have the precepts, guidelines for behavior, which are to remind us, to help us. The guidelines. So that's, uh, you know, when you're a samana, then this is part of the the time and the place, the situation, you know. I, I'm no, I'm not a lay person. Uh, I am a samana in this sense. So this, uh, this, this identity can, isn't meant to be seen as sakayaditi, but it, it's about the way it is. When you, when you receive the bhapacha and the upasampada, and the, and when people train as anagarikas, then this is a, this is, you're no longer just a, a lay person, ordinary person, who has their own private life to, to, uh, be responsible for. You're, you're now, uh, say, committing yourself to live within the restraint of precepts. So that's part of the mindfulness. It's not seen as as sakya ditti, as another kind of sense of myself as, as being, becoming a monk or a nun. It's for mindfulness, reflection. I can no longer just do what I feel like, like I could when I was a lay person, go where I want to, you know, say what I want to say, <clears throat> uh, following my own, uh, you know, cultural conditioning, personal tendencies, because the, the robe is always uh, reminding that I'm no longer have that freedom to just follow my impulses or do what I feel like in the moment. <clears throat> So there's also, there can be a resentment about that because sometimes one can feel suffocated in, like in a straitjacket with a monastic life. You know, if I used, went through several years in early, you know, when I was a newly ordained bhikkhu, just feeling suffocated by the life, by the Vinaya, by the kind of conformity, having to do things in a certain way, conforming to prescriptions of behavior and so forth. And this, of course, is is uh, oppressive to a personality based on my rights, I can do what I want, say what I want, I'm a free person. <clears throat> so it is, uh, you know, it is, when you become a samana, then it is, you're, you're giving up those rights. But it, it can't, you know, that's why you have to ask three times, you know, you're not, nobody, you know, it, it, moral restraint, Vinaya, would be a form of tyranny if you were forced to do it out of, you know, holding a gun to your head and making you take the ordination. <laughs> and then, 
then it would be a form of tyranny imposed, you know, to, imposed upon you against your will. But this is volunteer, and this is voluntary. You ask, and the sense of asking three times, so that it's it's not just, you know, it's uh, it can be ceremonial, but it also has its point. You know, you're making this statement, affirming this is what you're choosing, and then uh, through that it is the acceptance into the sangha is a sangha agreement, accepting you to. But then that acceptance implies that you're willing to live under the restraint, discipline, train yourself in, within the structures of this tradition. <clears throat> then if you really can't stand it, then the thing is to go somewhere else. Because it, <laughs> it's not going to work if you're just resisting and resenting it endlessly. and. Uh, you know, there's other options. Now, there's all kinds of alternative possibilities in spiritual communities and uh, different forms of Buddhist Buddhism and other religions. But also, encouragement is to, I can't stand it, I'm suffocating. Uh, this is the first noble truth. Sakyaditi. And so this is always looking at, you know, one can blame the tradition uh, or the uh, Theravada Buddhism, Thai forest tradition, bhikkhus, uh, all this kind of thing. One can always see that that these these conventions are the cause of my suffering, but uh, I don't agree with that. That is Sakya Ditti Silabhatabaramasa Vichikicha. That's the that's the three first three fetters. So this is, uh, even though it might seem like that, <coughs> but it's uh, when you trace it to the suffering and its causes, the, the the first and second noble truths. It's wanting something you don't have, or not wanting things to be the way they are, whether it's uh, uh, your own feelings. Uh, or your or the conventions, you know. I don't want Theravada Buddhism to be like this. I want it to be. I want to change it so it's more modern, more in tune with modern values. And so this is uh, this is what what is this? I I don't like it the way it is. I want it because it makes me suffer when it's like this. And if we change it, then I won't suffer, is the implication. Well, that's full of uh, of sakayaditi, uh, or the, the ego, the sense of me, my suffering, 
what I think, what I want, or what I don't want. So that's why the, the, the conventional form is to help mindfulness, not to browbeat you into conformity, tyrannize you, and, and uh, cause you suffering. It's not to, meant to be, uh, you know, here to, to um, bend you to our will, to make you into what we want you to be. But it's, uh, you know, it's how you use it, how, you, how wise you can reflect from this particular convention. So during this retreat, you see, that's what I'm trying to do during these morning reflections is to to remind you of the the purpose of all this. You know how to use it so that it does. It's up to you to make it work. Somebody was saying, "But it's a dead tradition. It's old. It's." It's, uh, you know, we want to make it modern, alive, you know, with it. Swinging Buddhism, you know, jazz it up. Let's have, let's get rid of this boring old chanting and have rap. We could... You know, there's all kinds of attempts to jazz up traditional forms. Listening to religious programs on the radio, the Church of England's desperate, always talking about how to make C of E more so that the youth really want to go to church. Because I guess the uh, C of E churches, uh, they're all pretty old people. old ladies going in kind of with their Zimmer frames into the church on Sunday and nobody, <laughs> no, no young people. So how, you know, then they endlessly go on about how to make it modern and swinging and with it so that the young people will <clears throat> want to come, you know, to be entertained, to have fun, see the joy of church, see of, see of England as rather this old conservative party at prayer is something kind of swinging in the moment. But in doing that, it kind of loses its power, you know. The power of a, of a tradition is that, is that it has something that's managed to survive through, you know, like in this tradition, Theravada, through 2,500 52 years, something in it has, you know, managed to survive through so many <clears throat> changes from ancient India to modern England. Not because we're trying to make it you know, jazz it up and, and, and make it, bend it to every new fashion and every new kingdom and empire and value system, but because it's based on a universal sense of what, what is common to human, humanity in general, like the Four Noble Truths. It's about suffering, not about Asian culture. 
ancient Indian values. It's a, you know, we can relate to it just as well here in England as no doubt they did in India at the time of the Buddha. I mean, it's, this is taking something quite ordinary and common that is not, you know, subtle or esoteric. Suffering is, is, uh, dukkha is the most common experience that every human being uh, has, you know, whether you're at the top, you know, Queen Elizabeth or at the bottom, a homeless old man on the streets. You know, those are the, maybe the two extremes at the top and at the bottom. Male or female. Rich or poor, young or old, you know, the dukkha is the common bond we have as human beings. And it's a noble truth. So it's, it, it's taking this, this experience, this suffering and, and really embracing it, noticing, investigating it. Is it patriarchal forms of old-fashioned religious traditions that cause me to suffer. Because this is what we get accused of being as patriarchal, as if this was something bad. As if patriarchy with its very nature was a form of tyranny and something bad. <clears throat> and that's the modern view of this time, this society, is patriarchy's out. Hierarchy is no good. It's all equality, egalitarian, everybody's equal, human rights. And so these are, you know, this is the culture that we're living in is based on these ideals. <clears throat> and then the, the ideals are perfect, you know, freedom, rights, equality, these are, as you know, these are the best. But remember that ideals are not alive. They're concepts. But, but the Buddha's talking about Dhamma, not as, which is not an ideal of how things should be. It's about the way things are. Where ideals are about how, how everything should be. You know, if it were at its best, if everything, if we could arrange our lives, our universe, our society, so it's always at its very best. Uh, its peak of, of uh, the superiority, you know, at the very top, and to be able to sustain that, you know, and, and idealists. That's why idealists are, you know, tend to be always disappointed because life is not like that. We're dealing not with with how with the ideals as what we're aiming for is trying to to make the conditioned realm fit into an ideal, 
but we're awakening in the present to the way it is. You know, so Dhamma, the word Dhamma is not about how things should be when everything is perfect, but it's the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. Sape Sankarani Cha. And that is the way it is. Can you find any condition that is permanent? You know, is there any condition <clears throat> that sustains itself through uh, time? So this is, you know, this is where the here and now, Pachubana Dhamma, is, uh, you know, taking refuge in the Dhamma rather than in my view of how things should be or how I want things to be or feeling resentful because you don't want things to be the way they are. Now we all have these problems, you know, we all, you know, Sakyaditi is based on ignorance. You know, you don't become, you don't develop your personality through wisdom. So it's, um, it's not, uh, you know, we, our personalities are developed through learning to survive in the families and social groups we find ourselves in. You know, and we have our karma, our own peculiar karma, individual karma to, to, to live with. Sometimes we don't know why. Why do I feel like this or have these inclinations or, you know, why, why can't I just be normal, ordinary person like everybody else seems to be? Why do I have to have these eccentric tendencies or, Strange habit. <laughs> Why can't we all just be, get on and be nice to each other in England? You know, we should all love each other and respect each other, no matter of race or gender, sexual inclination, anything. We should all just be nice, tolerant, loving, compassionate, supporting each other. That's, an, that's, you know, that's how it should be in terms of uh, thinking of an ideal. But this is the way it is, you know. Because I can't, even I'm a person, I can't make myself into that kind of a person. My personality seems to <clears throat> manifest in different forms according to conditions. Even though I'd like to be the ideal bhikkhu, you know, the ideal Buddhist monk, the ideal role model for you all, uh, and, uh, you know, always be smiling and kind and understanding and compassionate, wise, patient, caring, and all the rest. Yet, I find that's the ideal, but then the reality is like this. 
So that that when you know, it's not I'm not dim, dis, diminishing ideals. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't have ideals, but recognize that what they are, you know, that if you attach out of ignorance to ideals, you're going to suffer because life is not going to present itself in that way for you ever. It never has for anyone. <clears throat> because we are the owners of our karma, heir to our karma, born of our karma, related to our karma, abide supported by our karma, whatever karma I shall do for good or for ill of that, I will be the heir. So we all have our karma to live with which is not equal, not the same, not ideal. But it is the way it is. And so this, uh, recognize the wisdom in this, this, you know, really sorting it out, you know, the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. It's not saying that conditions, there's something wrong with conditions because they're impermanent. It's just noticing, observing the nature of your own body, of your mental habits, of your emotions. So it's not a put down of ideals or, you know, judging them in, you know, as you shouldn't have any ideals, principles. But it's, it's a, an invitation, encouragement to be able to awaken to attachment. Because if, you know, out of Sakya Ditti, no matter how high-minded my ideals are, that's the, that's the cause of suffering. Sakya Ditti, Tilabhata Kicha, being blinded, by these conditions. Operating always from some conditioned perspective. The, the basic, basic one is uh, Sakayaditi, isn't it? I am, I'm this person, this body. I'm this personality. My, what I think in my life, my memories. This is, uh, you know, this is, what most of the world's population operates from was from Sakaya Ditti, which is, you know, this illusion that I am limited person, I'm this physical form, this age, I'm this age of this body, I'm the gender of the body, I'm the... Uh, you know, the race, the nationality, and then, then it goes into very personal things about me being good, bad, right, wrong, and on and on. It gets complicated into the sticky web of Sakya Ditti, personality view. So on this retreat, you know, just that which is aware of the personality, now this is like Bhutto knowing Dhamma, Buddha knowing the Dhamma, ability to reflect, observe, 
not criticize the personality, saying it's I have a good one or a bad one, but it is like this. Right now, I feel like this. There's this kind of feeling emotionally. I feel oppressed by uh, the Vinaya. I feel, I don't feel I'm truly appreciated or I'm, that I'm being pushed down or humiliated by my junior position is like this. And so you're, you know, I'm not asking you to, to change your feelings to conform to an ideal uh, I might have about a good samana. But the encouragement is to awaken to to whatever you're feeling, to see it in terms of the way it is, not believe in it anymore, to let it go, to allow it to be what it is, but be the knower of it rather than the owner. Uh, this is, uh, you know, to be the knower is puto, to be the owner is to become uh, the personality. Believe it, operate from your own personal opinions, views, assumptions, emotions. Now this, these uh, four noble truths to be investigated. Like this is this is uh, pure vipassana. There's the four foundations of mindfulness, four noble truths, the paticca samuppada, dependent origination. There's the Ten fetters and the four stages. Now these, these are very skillful tools that, you know, we have in this tr traditional form here at Amravati. You know, this is the, this is the encouragement, this is the purpose of our life, to use these tools for breaking through ignorance. extirpating of each So if we live this life and never extirpate a it's kind of a sad thing. <laughs> you know, if we're just creating more of out of out of our position in this form and then it, you've missed the point. And that's not what I'm teaching. I'm not trying to convince you that, you know, of, to attach to your position, to your, uh, you know, to, to anything, to the tradition itself. Or just to surrender kind of passively uh, to, to conventional forms, resigning yourself <clears throat> in a negative way. It's like, taking this on. It's a really, 
you know, when you enter the Sangha, the Mampacha, the Upasambhada, you're really, you're giving permission to take this and make it work for you. It's not just, well, I used to put up with a lot of things you don't like, but, you know, just be patient and, and, uh, you know, it's a, we can get into this kind of whinging mindset. You know, we just said, well, you know, it's an old tradition run by patriarchal monks and we, you know, we've got to try to just learn from it and do the best we can, even though it's not exactly fair and the way it should be according to modern values, but, and then we go on like that. So that's not taking that's not taking the precepts. It's like, you know, you, you're given, you ask permission, you ask for uh, permission to enter the Sangha. You're given the, that permission and then you're given the right to use the conventions. Not for personal uh, identity, but to make them work for you. You know, conventions are dead. They are conventions. They have no life force in them. It's, it's you, you yourself that make them work. Not to try to change the conventions to fit the ideas that you have, but to use them for what they're meant to be used for, for awakened attention. To be free from avicca. To see in that, through clarity and wisdom from that, when say, Buddha Dhamma Sangha position. Not from me, my personal view and my position as a, as a person in this Sangha. So in this Sangha, this word taking refuge in Sangha, Supatipano, Ujupatipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano is, you say, the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. Well, that is the, you know, the Supatipano. It's not about you becoming a stream enterer. It doesn't work like that. And you don't, you can't become a stream enterer on, through avicca, through the self-view. Totally impossible. So there's no way that, that, that I, as a person, after, this is my 43rd Vasa, can become a stream enterer. But there is stream entry, and that is, uh, you know, that is to be seen and recognized. It's here and now, Pachubana Dhamma. And the, and the obstructions to stream entry is not patriarchy or hierarchy or the conventions. It's, not having 
not having seen through avicca, operating from sakyaditi silabhata bharamasa vichikita. These are the obstructions, the fetters that blind us to the path. <coughs> so this is, this is, you know, this is very important to to keep reminding yourself because we get our feelings hurt or our tendency to to be offended. Sometimes I think some of you are just looking for anything to be offended with. You know, we become so precious, so involved in our own lives that we we're just waiting for any any opportunity to be offended by somebody. And so, you know, the time of political correctness where you don't say anything very straight or honest because it might offend somebody. You've got to always speak in a very polite way that is not going to cause anybody any hard feelings or misunderstandings or feeling of being offended. So that's the society we live in. It's full of this political correctness, which is, you know, I'm not against that either, but it also makes us, it, it makes us weak and wishy-washy. We can't be honest. We can't say things. We can't, you know, we, we're always so concerned about being nice and polite and not offending anybody that, that we never can really get anywhere with that, trying to just live on the surface of politeness. And of course that just makes us more because we blow up eventually. You can only be nice for so long and you can't stand it. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody was nice? Is that what we want Amravati to be? Wouldn't it be nice if everybody here was nice? And then... <laughs> And yet that's sometimes what I think people want, just to be nice. And, and so this is, to recognize that, that this, uh, to extirpate a vita is not about, you know, just developing a superficial, uh, sense of politeness and good manners and not saying anything but what is appropriate and inoffensive, but being able to really uh, use this form for observing, for knowing Dhamma. And you have to, you know, really determine to use it. It's like Aditana Barami, the sense of really determining to get to, you know, to get to the causes of suffering. And these are clearly stated in the Second Noble Truth. Couldn't be more precisely, more usefully written down in words than the Second Noble Truth. And so it's, you know, it's just through, through reflect, through investigating the Second Noble Truth, the causes of suffering. So you've got this precision tool, 
you know, the, the monastic community here. You actually have got a precision tool. It's, uh, you know, it's survived 2,552 years. You've been given the permission to use this tool by the Sangha. So it's not just, you know, you trying to figure it out all on your own anymore. There's this sense of Sangha behind you, supporting you. Supatipano, Ujupatipano. Now the Sangha doesn't mean uh, individual monks or bhikkhus. In this sense, when we take refuge in Sangha, you don't take refuge in bhikkhus or uh, you know, in individuals. It's not, it's not a guru form. I don't want to be a guru. I don't want you to take refuge in Ajahn Sumato. It's refuge in Sangha, Supatipano. So, Supatipano, one who practices in the right way is here and now Dhamma, isn't it? When you, you know, when you come, when you, during this retreat, the Supatipano is when you are aware, awake in the present, mindful here and now, whether you're entering the temple and, and, you know, you're mindful of the door opening, closing, taking your shoes off, putting them on the rack, being mindful of just these banal kind of ordinary things that we do is Supatipano. Even though it's not, I'm Supatipano, I'm a, I'm practicing in the right way, then it goes into Sakyaditi. But see the, this refuge in Sangha, Sankang Ternangachami, is not, not about me, uh, Ajahn Sumato, or you, but about when there is mindfulness, there's Supatipano, Ujupatipano. Yaya Patipano is, you know, this is insight. This is knowing through, through reflecting, through, through seeing the, the causes of suffering. Seeing the suffering you create in your life with avicca, with sakyaditi. You know, so it's uh, like a, I've always developed this whenever I suffer. When I see myself, you know, caught in my own personal suffering, Is it, you know, even if somebody's giving me a bad time, are they the cause of my suffering? You know, sometimes people will give me a bad time. Maybe they're angry with me, or they, they don't like me, or they resent me, so they'll... Are they the cause of my suffering? And of course, you know, I could get most people to agree, that person is abusing me, is... Uh, insulting me and and he is the cause of my suffering we won't allow him to come into this monastery anymore tell him never enter the door of the deathless of <laughs> banish him because he causes whenever that guy comes into this monastery I suffer now is that 
am I going to believe that? And of course, you know, on a Sakyaditi level, I can believe it. My personality is a condition to believe that, that other people have been the cause of my suffering. Because <clears throat> sometimes it, that's the way it seems. Somebody is being abusive and, and uh, insulting. But then, you know, the, when we reflect on the noble truths, it's what? The suffering is not around what that person is saying or his abuse, but about my uh, not wanting it. About my sakiti, my anger, my feeling of being offended, my resentment, my desire to get rid of that person banish him, excommunicate him, send him off to Siberia. I'm never going to speak to you again either. That will show you, won't it? If you insult me, then I'm never going to speak to you again. <clears throat> I got a letter the other day from somebody who thinks I'm a monster. And she said she's never going to support the Bhikkhu Sangha ever again. <clears throat> so, what should I do about that? <laughs> so these are, the, this is Sakya Ditti, isn't it? Now, being aware of that, it's not that I, you know, this, we can't help sometimes our reactions are like that. I don't want to speak to you anymore. <clears throat> it's like this. But the cause of suffering is clinging to that view out of ignorance. Avicca, Vajaya, Sankhara. So ignorance affects all the Sankharas all the conditions. It's avicca, you know, as long as it is the, the basis of our interpretation of life, then, then uh, it affects everything, you know. Our way of thinking, our emotions, our experience of life is through avicca. And that, of course, sakyaditi tilapattabharamasa vichikicca. So, not wanting, or wanting something, wanting Amravati to be, uh, to be a better place, what I think it should be, an ideal monastery, a community of monks and nuns living in perfect harmony, wanting everybody to be nice to each other and support each other, wanting everybody to respect each other, and be here for each other. And when it's not like that, then I, then I suffer. When it's not, when there's, when there's disharmony in the, in the community. Because I want harmony. Is the, the disharmony in the community the cause of suffering? Or is my wanting harmony when there's disharmony? 
Now this is uh, investigating the second noble truth, the causes of suffering. Wanting something to be, wanting it to become something that it's not at this moment is like this. Not wanting it to be disharmonious, not wanting it to be the way it is is like this. And the knowing of this is Bhutto Tamo Sankho and Buddha Dhamma Sangha. So this, like these refuges then are you know, really, nobody can make you take these refuges. <laughs> you know, you can say the formulas, but you still may not, you know, you're not, you, you, you're just repeating words, operating from Sakya Diti. But this is taking these refuges and making them work for you. Bhutto, Bhutang Sarnangachami is Mindfulness here and now, knowing Dhamma the way it is, practicing in the right way with mindfulness, clarity, not from ignorance, not from greed, hatred, or delusion. So this is, uh, you know, these are this way to use these these three refuges as a reminder. I find them. Uh, you know, because I've used them for so long, but they really help to, to uh, not as attachments, but as reminders. Dhamma the way it is, rather than Dhamma as uh, some perfect ideal. Or Buddha as some, you know, perfect ideal in the universe. Take, or some, you know, we can project out into the universe some kind of Buddha energy or Buddha nature. You know, so we can, we can create ideas and then project our, our ideas outward. But this is not about projecting, but awakening, recognizing, investigating, here and now, if I'm unhappy, it's because what am I, what is, what, where is there an attachment? So we, we, we've had endless meetings about how to you know, make things better and live in harmony and and uh, support each other and and kalyanamitas are being noble friends to each other and all the rest. But is this, you know, is this sakya diti or what? Is, it, is all this necessary if we get to the cause of suffering in our in our you know in ourselves, not in you know, we can't make someone else do it, but you can do it. And that's one of my frustrations, is uh, wanting you to do it. <laughs> <clears throat> the desire 
I have for you to see the path is one of my frustrations. <laughs> when, I, when you don't seem to. Because sometimes some of the things you say to me are unbelievable. You know, you miss the point. <clears throat> and the, uh, you know, and I can understand personally, as I have, the, the, the whole point of this life is not towards, you know, creating nice people, but awakened individuals. And if nice people come out of being awake, that's fine. But just trying to be nice and be harmonious and all that, living up, trying to live an ideal life, you're going to be terribly disappointed, as many have. You've seen over the years, in the 30 years I've been in England, how many people are inspired and disillusioned with this life. You know, being a bhikkhu or a thilandara, they can get very inspired and and then they they become very disillusioned. Because it is, you know, the actual Buddhist, Buddhism is very inspiring in its, in its forms, you know, in its message. It's a brilliant, on a Bariati level, it's, it's beautiful. Intellectually, it's so pleasing. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it has, a, you know, it has a great beauty as a form. So it does attract and it is inspiring, but also, like anything inspiring, uh, you know, you can't, inspiration is, is, is not, uh, can't sustain itself. You can't stay that way. You have to, you know, the encouragement of monasticism is to get down to the nitty-gritty of here and now, suffering and its causes. So I really respect those that use this teaching, you know, really. You know, no matter how much you suffer, instead of blaming others and whinging about everything, get to the cause of suffering. You know, really... <clears throat> you know, and even if you are being abused, that doesn't matter. We're not here to abuse each other, but sometimes one feels abused by others. But that's not our purpose. That's not what we're here for. But sometimes, due to our karma, we can, we can be abusive to others. But even if that happens, you know, get to the cause of your suffering, not, you know, the anger, resentment uh, that you, that, that someone else's uh, abuse might arouse in you. And so then mindfulness is being able to observe, not suppressing anger, 
and trying to look like a Buddha Rupa, but it's actually embracing it, you know. Anger's like this. Resentment. And the cause of suffering then is avita, desire and attachment. Now the, the second noble truth, if there's a vita, then the desire arises and we attach to it and then the result is suffering. So then, you know, to really trace that through to where there's letting go of the causes of suffering, which is not a, a kind of destruction of desire, but recognizing it. It's like, you know, really, you know, these three kinds, gama dana, bhava dana, vipu dana, to really, you know, get to know them. You never get rid of them. This is a desire realm. This is, you know, this is all about desire. The human body, it's a sexual form, isn't it? Human bodies are sexual forms. They're all about desire. We wouldn't be here if our parents didn't have any desires. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> that's the nature of this realm. The sense realm is, is about attraction and aversion and wanting the happiness, wanting beauty, wanting friendship, wanting respect, wanting truth. Not wanting life to be miserable and suffering and painful. Wanting to get rid of the ugly and wanting to hold on to, to beauty is, is the sense experience. Sense, this is what sensitivity is. Senses are based on this, you know, uh, these polarized Conditions. So, and then the awareness of that transcends the condition. In this uh, verse of Swinburne's that I like, and William James, I was wrong, he was an American philosopher <laughs> and psychologist. <clears throat> not, not English. <laughs> so my, you know, years ago when I came across this, I was at this Tham Sangpat, this, this place uh, in Amnat Chalern, northeast Thailand. And I lived in this kuti, which was built in a cave. I was very fond of this. It's like a huge, it wasn't a real cave, it was more like a ledge. And they built this kuti and it. it had this walking path in this cave where there were bats in the, in the crevices of this cave. And I used to walk, uh, practice jongrom walking on this uh, platform above the ground. And underneath there was a uh, you know, who knows what, snakes and whatnot, but then uh, there were bats in the crevices. So you'd walk over and look in and then you'd take your torch and shine it up and all these bats would start making sounds and like disturbing them. 
And I got used to living with the smell of bat guano. The place stank of bat shit. And so we used to call it the bat shit cave. The vulgar way of expressing. <laughs> but I became very fond of this place. And, uh, and then I would stand there and looking and it was on a hill so you could look out over the plain because the uh, Tamsangpad is a hill and then below it is this very flat 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 plain below so look over this flat plain into the horizon and then I'd say here begins the sea that ends not till the world ends and then I'd think this here this point here and the me standing in this, looking out over this plain. This is, here begins. This is, this is it. And from this point on, the sea that ends, not till the world ends. Where we stand, can we know the next high sea mark set beyond these waves that gleam? We should know what never man hath known, nor eye of man hath scanned. Ah, but here man's heart leaps with venture's glee from the shore that hath no shore beyond it set in all the sea. So this is like yearning towards the gloom. When, you, when you're at this point of awareness, out there is the unknown, isn't it? Everything is, is so vast. When you're just in the state of here and now awareness, you're not defining anything. You're not looking at at the next wave or the next thing. It's like, it's like a sea that extends to infinity. And here begins this point here and now. And then the attitude of yearning, yearning, ah, but here man's heart leaps. And you really fix yourself in that point. And then it's not just a kind of passive, but it's this sense of fully embracing the totality, the oneness, you know, yearning towards the gloom, because out this word gloom, with venturous glee rather than with fear, and, uh, you know, turning back into the cave and, and locking myself up in it. Because the, the gloom out there is too, frightens me too much. It's too vast, too mysterious. And so this awakening is like really waking up to the universe, the totality of it. Not just me and my position and whether I'm really respected or liked or loved or not or whatever. It's, it's even free from that, that silliness that creates so much suffering. So even the, the gloom, the unknown, the mystery of the whole universe is no, no longer frightening. It's yearning towards the gloom with venturous, venturous glee. This is poetic. This is Swinburne. He talks like this. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, just contemplate that. It's, not a, it's, it's a very beautiful insight to see that this life isn't about just binding yourself down, keeping rules, and and um, killing off your ego. 
it's liberating yourself from suffering, from the restriction. You don't have to disrobe to be free from, you know, within this form, the monastic form, you find your liberation not through, you know, not through the, the forms. There are always forms are restricting. Your physical body is a restriction. We're restricted and bound and incarcerated in these clumsy old forms. <clears throat> and all they do is get old. They don't get better and better as you get older and older. But um, it's no longer, this is not the problem, the restriction through form, but liberation through the mind, through the heart. So it's being able to face life with venturous glee, with joy, with awareness, and not through the 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 uh, terrible restrictions of sakya ditti. It's painful. It's, it's dukkha to be so limited and and obsessed and blinded by this this uh, sense of me and mine, myself. So in the, in the Sangha, like this, this is what the Sangha is about, the monastic, the conventional monastic Sangha. This is what you're invited to participate in, you know, not to, to bind you to rules and, and hierarchical structures, but to uh, invite you toward liberation. This is this is what I'm interested in: is liberation, not in trying to make perfect conditions for everybody. Now, whether you you're liberated or not, that's up to you. You know, you can't. You know, you can't make somebody else liberate it. <clears throat> but the intention is to keep pointing at it. You know, no matter how many times one gets lost and forgets, then we, we, we keep pointing to here and now, Pachubana Dhamma, Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Using the Four Noble Truths to to see through the illusions of self and the, and to see the causes of suffering and to be able to, once you see the causes, you can let go of the causes. But you can never, you know, if you don't see the causes, you can never let go of suffering. You, you, you're going to suffer no matter what, monk or nun or whatever, lay person, Christian, Buddhist, you're bound to suffering through, you know, through, uh, through ignorance. And ignorance is the cause of suffering. So, uh, offering this as a reflection, encouragement to, to, you know, contemplate, recognize what we're doing here, what the point of it is. What its purpose is, 
so that you know we do need encouragement and inspiration but also we ha- we also need to bring our attention to our own feelings not through believing them but through recognizing all conditions are impermanent 